0: Blog talk Radio.
1: Welcome to episode number 23 of Thyroid Nation Radio live, talk show, and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of Thyroid Nation.
2: And I'm Tiffany Mladenitz of GratefulGarden.biz.
1: We're also known as Dana and Tiffany, bringing you the collective voices of thyroid advocates, clinicians, bloggers, and thyroid thrivers everywhere.
2: All right. In just a few short minutes, we're going to be talking live with Dr. Donnie Wilson. She's a naturopath and founder of DrDonnie.com and the author of The Stress Remedy. I'm so excited. She is just going to nail me on the forehead, so I might as well just put a big bullseye on my head today. (laughs) Me too. I know, right? Leaky gut causes, what it is, effects on the body, and what you can do about it. So very exciting. But first... Before we bring Dr. Donnie on, there are a few things we want to share with you, some exciting things. Make sure to join us in Hashi's and Graves' Facebook group, a place where we can all ask questions as well as get guidance, resources, support, and so many different sides of the condition and things that affect It's just amazing. So join us there and uh, share the journey, share your journey, share our journey, and hopefully we can um, add some stuff to help your journey a little bit easier.
1: Yeah. And if you tuned in last week, we hope you did, you heard us chatting with two thyroid advocates, Gina Lopes-Langone and Brittany Robinson, and they were really fun. They, They enlightened us on so many things, including, you know, that had to do with graves, and it was a really interesting and enlightening show. So check that out in the archives, if you haven't already, and you can also see the lineup of wonderful guests that we have coming up on the Thyroid Nation radio page. We have Dr. Christensen, Dr. Alan Christensen, next week, and we have, let's see, Gina Lee Nolan. Dr. Jill Carnahan, we just uh, signed her up the other day, so I'm excited. So check that out. If you want to see the past and future shows, you can do that on that page.
2: Very cool. As always, a very, very big thank you to the listeners. Uh, We want to hear about your Thyroid Thriver journey as well. So make sure to submit your Thyroid Thriver story to Thyroid Nation. Submit your story under the Thyroid Thrivers. And we want to know your story, whether you're healed or not. It's about the journey. You know, that's, there's so much information that gets shared in the journey that can help other people understand and, and heal on, on, uh, on their own journey. All right, Dana, it looks like she is with us. So let's get this thyroid nation thriving.
1: Let's do it. Today our guest is Dr. Donnie Wilson, and we are thrilled to have her on the show. Are you there, Dr. Donnie?
0: I am. Can you hear me?
1: We can.
0: Nice to have you. Nice to meet you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great. I'm so happy for what you're doing to offer all this information to people. Wonderful.
1: We're trying. We're trying. I was, uh, oh my I was goodness, going to the website.
2: Um, Go ahead, Dana. I'm
1: sorry. I was just going to say, I was going to um, the podcast. You know, on my, on my iPad, I was trying to find some interesting podcasts, and I thought, well, I'm just going to type in thyroid and see if there's anything in there, and there isn't. There's a couple old ones that don't have any podcasts, uh, any different episodes on it, and that's about it. So I was like, oh, good. Hopefully, it's going to catch on, and we can help millions and millions of people worldwide. So we're glad to have you on the show.
2: Very glad to have you on the show. Well, I'm so glad to gonna, be here, yeah. Mhm. I have to. I have to tell you, Dr. Donnie. This is Tiffany. How are you? Good. I Hi, have got a, I have got a bullseye on my forehead for what you talk about <coughs> and too. how you help people. So I am definitely just so excited to hear what you're gonna share with us.
0: Well, and and that's great. I um I've I feel like a lot of it I've learned from myself as well. You know, uh, all the time I'm learning through my experience with my body and a lot of what I'll share, I've implemented on myself as well as thousands of patients over the past 15 years. Um, oh, wow. But it's, you know, it's, it's very exciting when we can look at deeper underlying root causes of uh, health issues and then actually be able to do something about it. It's, this it's really empowering and, and when I get to hear the feedback from patients who start to see the difference and feel the difference, you know, that's that's the, that's what keeps me going doing what I do.
1: Can you go ahead and let's just start let's start talking about leaky gut and, and okay. maybe some symptoms if you want to start, you know, start there.
0: Yeah, it's such a good question because, you know, p- patients often ask me when you hear leaky gut, you would think like Maybe diarrhea or at the very least digestive symptoms. You know, it just seems like based on the name that you would, you know, that it would be something like that. But actually, leaky gut could be present in a person who doesn't, whose digestion feels completely fine. Um, so it's not just about, uh, Digestive issues. Um, Certainly, that you know, if a person has, for example, heartburn or um, IBS as a diagnosis, or um, bloating or gas or or bowel um, irregularities, there quite possibly is some leaky gut present. But the I think really interesting thing about leaky gut is all the other symptoms in the body, and there's probably at least 200 symptoms that could be associated with leaky gut. Everything from fatigue. Um, headaches, joint pain, skin rashes, um, even thyroid issues, um, and or, you know, other health issues anywhere in your body. And so it becomes less of a symptom specific. It's not like if you have this one symptom, it's probably leaky gut. It's more a matter of, I would say if you have You know, even multiple unresolving symptoms that aren't going away, it's quite likely that you have some leaky gut. And that's the other thing I like to clarify is that leaky gut is not a black and white thing. It's not so much of like either you have it or you don't. What I find is that it's a spectrum, you know, that you know, to some degree, we likely all have some amount of leaky gut, even a mild amount of, the other name for it, by the way, is intestinal permeability. So sometimes you, when you're reading about it, you'll see the language, uh, the word intestinal permeability. And so we all probably have some degree of intestinal permeability or leaky gut, what the, you know, or a person may have more moderate or even severe leaky gut. And it's, you know, so it's not just a, either you have it or you don't have it. It's more a matter of how severe is it and how much is it affecting your health.
1: Wow, that's very, very interesting
0: because mm-hmm. people see
1: it as black and white. Like you said, they do, and then I, I, I myself kind of do. So that's
0: good to know. Thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. Well, you think about I it. I mean, it, this is in the small intestines, right? And our, the surface area of our small intestines is the size of a tennis court. You know, so it's big area. And these little cells that make up this small intestine, they regrow every, like, three days or four days. So they're replacing themselves constantly, but they're very susceptible to stress, right? So any form of stress, whether it's psychological or emotional stress, just work stress, um, certainly if it's a severe trauma, um that you know makes these cells so that they're not able to replace themselves and you're left with these little holes in the intestinal lining now these are on a microscopic level so even if a gastroenterologist goes in there with a scope you know for an endoscopy or a colonoscopy they can't see it it's it's so tiny they can't see the the leakiness um but it, it occurs in between the little cells and actually if the cells are not as healthy as they should be that's what allows this leakiness to happen now then people say well what leaking where right it's like what, what is the leakage happening <laughs> right. um and, and it's it's that um you know these these little cells are lined up to make <clears throat> a, the intestinal wall and then there's they have these uh we call them tight junctions in science but they're basically little proteins, or kind of like Velcro, if you think of Velcro holding the cells together. And so the job of these cells is to make sure that your food is fully digested and only nutrients and water gets across into your blood and into your body, right? Because we don't want whole pieces of food and we don't want bacteria getting through. We want only digested nutrients to get through our intestinal lining, But if the Velcro is damaged and the cells are damaged, now bacteria from your intestines and undigested food can get past those cells. And right underneath that, the cellular lining, is your immune system. Your immune system is on guard there to protect you. It's it's ready to attack any viruses or bacteria that come through. But imagine if, it's a, if the intestinal lining is more severely leaky and more bacteria are bombarding the immune system and undigested food is coming through. Your immune system is trying to protect you from all of that. But like can happen in other situations in the body, if the immune system is overly inflammatory from that experience of the leaking through, then it creates inflammation not only at the intestinal lining, but the thing about inflammation is it can spread anywhere in your body. That's why the symptoms can appear anywhere. That's why this that's occurring in the small intestine can cause a headache or can cause anxiety or can cause a low mood or can cause your knee to ache because that inflammation from the small intestine can go anywhere in your body. And so a lot of times I think of it as, it may show in your body where you're most susceptible. You know, like if you had an injury to your knee, you're going to be a little more likely to have knee pain. Or if you tend toward anxiety, then if leaky gut is more severe, you're going to be more likely to have anxiety happen.
1: Wow. Now, Dr. That's Donnie, so much do you- to... So much to <laughs> intake there. I'm, I'm Because I definitely <laughs> I do, so. have leaky gut. And I'm sure that my son... And my husband and my daughter, I'm sure we all have some level of it. So that's very interesting.
2: Go ahead, Tiff. Do you think that there are levels of progression in leaky gut, meaning that, you know, in the beginning, like it's something that can progressively become much worse and worse. In the beginning you might have small symptoms and then, you know, severe health problems a certain time down the road. Do you you see that in your practice Mm -hmm. where people can have progressive issues?
0: yes and often you know when someone comes to see me it's because they're not feeling well you know so by the time they come in it's sometimes already progressed and once right. we kind of sit down and talk it through right. they usually can kind of say oh yeah that's right like 10 years ago i had a severe infection and i had to be on antibiotics or i went traveling in and i ended up with a parasite that i had to treat those things can make you more susceptible to antibiotics and can make you more susceptible to leaky gut, as can um, frequent use of, um, you know, antacids or medications to treat reflux. You know, so it's so common that patients have GERD or heartburn or reflux, and then they take a medication for that, let's say Nexium, for example, to prevent the, the reflux from happening. But what, what now we're learning is that when we suppress the uh, stomach acid, that it ends up so you're not digesting your food as well, and that can then contribute to leaky gut developing in the small intestine. And so if we look back over time, often the patient can kind of put together, oh, yeah, that was happening several years ago, and then now I'm starting to notice all these other health issues develop, and you can start to see the spectrum. Yeah, you can. The progression It starts to become clearer.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting because 20 years ago, you know, just you know, kind of bloating after you know eating and not really thinking about it. It wasn't you know, nothing was blaring at the time, but uh, you know, then progressively now when I eat certain foods, it's it's you know can be severe cognition issues and fatigue, and it's just amazing mm-hmm. how and it's you know it's it's quite some time, but yet you look back and it's, it was 20, 20 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of scary mm-hmm. when you think well, you're like, gosh, it would have been <clears throat> so much easier to address that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> at, at well, 21 than at, you know, 40 something. <laughs> well, well, and I'm also thing. thinking, I'm also thinking, can you imagine,
1: like when you are talking I'm sitting here thinking, I wonder how many people in the world have leaky
0: gut at have this very moment? Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, I bet it's, it's, not, it's off the charts. Well, and it's not something that is, you know, even though it's oh my gosh, if you look in the research, there are so there's so many research studies that have something to do with what causes intestinal permeability or leaky gut and also um, how to help it heal. That's so that's the exciting part is it is something that we can work on helping it to heal and recover. So we'll get back to that. But there's so much research on it and yet You know, you could be going to see your internist every year and even the gastroenterologist or the rheumatologist, and yet still they're not mentioning it because it's not going to show on a standard test. It doesn't show on a blood test. It doesn't show on the colonoscopy. It doesn't. There are some tests that are being developed to identify um, leaky gut. Um, And I still, I think they're still in the development stages, those tests. Um, you know, if we, if we kind of think of the mechanism of leaky gut, we can kind of imagine how could we test for it, like we could test for um, if foods are getting through the intestinal lining that shouldn't be, and especially the tests that exist have to do with sugars. If certain sugars can get through the intestinal lining when they usually shouldn't, um, then that would tell us, hey, it's too leaky. Or the other one is if sugars actually are not getting through the intestinal lining when they should be, they can measure that in the breath, and they can and we can get a sense of leaky gut exists based on that. Another test has to do with measuring when the little cells get damaged and they release um, the um, proteins out. They can actually measure those those damaged proteins in the bloodstream, um, and there's there's a lab that will measure for those proteins in the bloodstream. I still, like I said, I think that it's, you know, it kind of depends because there's such there's such a variety of ways that the intestinal permeability can exist. And so any one of those tests, you know, may or may not show. Like if a person has more mild or moderate, it might not actually register on one of those tests. So it can be tricky to test for it. Um, one thing that I do um, is, you know, we can get a sense of um, leaky gut based on food sensitivities because, um, as I was describing, when the, when the food is able to leak through that intestinal lining and start to trigger the immune system that's right underneath, so the immune system is actually reacting to the food as if the food is a virus, you know, it's like, what is that banana? I shouldn't be seeing banana, and it attacks the banana, like it's a virus, for example, and then that creates antibodies that we can measure in the bloodstream. And if we find that there are antibodies to food, a lot of different foods, um, then that indicates that there must be some leaky gut because the only way the immune system can start to react to that many foods is if if the intestinal lining is leaky and it's allowing that reactivity to occur. Um, now in that situation, um, and and you feel free to stop me if I, <laughs> I'm going into too much detail. You know I love to talk about all this. Um, I think Dana, Dana
2: and I are just in a in a current flower field on the whole <laughs> subject. <laughs> we are. We
1: are in what we call a flower field moment, Dr. Donnie, because once we start it's talking to someone who has a lot of information, we just our eyes zone out and we just try to.
2: It's like absorption.
1: Yeah, it's a total absorption moment. So we say we're like our a couple of moment,
2: so. sponges right now. Oh, I, <laughs> <have> <laughs> that, that's keep, I love it.
1: That's great. I
0: love
1: it. Just loving. keep going. We're
0: just happy. Oh, good. Well, I mean, this is the thing: is that you know these antibodies, right? We, I mean, some of these words I use, you know, please tell me if you need me to explain them. But the when the immune system responds, it makes antibodies, and the antibodies just get named with a letter. So the one we usually know most about is IgE, just named with a letter E. That's the antibody that uh, an allergist pays attention to. You know, so if someone's allergic to shrimp or peanuts and they are exposed to a nut or shrimp, then they end up with a, you know, an immediate reaction that sends them to the emergency room, anaphylactic shock, for example. That is when the IgE antibody is responding. It responds quickly and strongly. I mean, most people would know if they have an IgE response or could easily go to an allergist to find that out. Um, But when it comes to leaky gut, what we're looking at is just different antibodies. We're looking at um, one that is called IgA. So again, just with the letter A, and the IgA antibodies can respond to a food, but then the symptoms are not so severe. It's not going to likely send you to the emergency room. It's more likely to make you get a headache or runny nose or a little achy or fatigue or stomach ache. And this is why I think sometimes it goes on so long. It's because there are things that we just kind of deal with. You know, we're like, oh, I got another headache or I just kind of feel blah today. I don't know why, but you just kind of get through it. But what could actually be going on is a, an immune response to a food. And it, the IgA antibodies can last, you know, the response can last up to a week after you eat the food. So this is the other thing that makes it so hard to put your finger on it is, say you react to almonds and you eat almond, but it's, it's only it's causing an inflammatory response over the next week. It's really hard. to And if you eat almonds every day, it's really hard to figure out that that was the cause. Um, The one that makes it even trickier is the antibody named with the letter G is IgG, because IgG antibodies can can trigger symptoms even for three weeks after you eat the food. Wow. So I can't can't tell you how many patients where, you know, maybe they're having an egg every day for breakfast, let's say. And when we end up testing for the IgG antibodies and it comes up that they have an immune response to egg they're really surprised because they it's such a delayed response. They didn't realize that their symptoms had anything to do with this food they were eating every single day. And then when we remove the food from their diet, what we're essentially doing is we're taking away the trigger. Now the immune system is not getting exposed to this egg, and it's going to calm down. The immune response calms down. The inflammation calms down. And that's really important for healing leaky gut because when you can when you can figure out here's the foods that keep on triggering inflammation because that inflammation now damages the intestinal lining even more so it becomes this vicious cycle you know that's why it progresses over time because you you probably you're not realizing which foods you're reacting to you keep eating them and then the leaky gut gets worse and you start reacting to more and more foods i hear that a lot of times people will say i'm Mm. finding i'm reacting to more and more foods it used to be just one or two things and now like most
2: everything I eat I don't feel good. So I I do have a question I I am gonna interject Mm -hmm. if that's okay with you. um, you Yes. I do have a burning question so which came first the chicken or the egg? So Mm -hmm. you see just like you said a lot of people that have progressive food sensitivities and you know um, then all of a sudden they're eating nothing and then nutrient deficiencies become worse so my mm-hmm. question, Dr. Donnie, is mm-hmm. where do genetics and nutrient deficiencies come first? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, Or is, and it, it's, it's, or is, that, or is that the big burning question?
0: Well, and I think it's definitely something important to think about and, and pay attention to because sometimes we don't know the answer. Sometimes we don't know which came first. But the key is that we want to just be aware of both and start addressing both because my thinking is then we start getting into action and recovery mode. We're like, okay, we may not really know whether the nutrient deficiency came first or um, or the food sensitivities and the leaky gut, you know, because they just end up perpetuating each other. So you don't know the, where the beginning of the string was, for example. Right. You could just start to see this thread and you go, okay, let's just put all our effort into resolving it. And so it becomes that's why the approach to healing it is not just one thing. You know, like I wish I could say it was a simple solution. Right. Like just do this one thing and it's going to untangle the whole mess. But it, it doesn't tend to be that simple. We have to think it through and go, okay, if there's, If there's the the food reactions going on, we best to identify, you know, prioritize sometimes. I mean, if a person has more severe leaky gut and they're reacting to that many foods, it's not like we're going to have them just avoid everything because we need them to get their caloric intake and, and be eating. So we have to prioritize the most important foods to avoid, and then meanwhile, we start putting in the nutrients and herbs that help the digestion occur more successfully, the intestinal lining to heal, get the nutrients to start recovering so that the nutrient deficiencies are being addressed. And, and amazingly, this basically, if the snowball was rolling down the hill getting bigger, we we're just going to turn it around backwards and start unraveling it the other direction. Um, and I, you know, it, it actually works. We, I see it where, you know, and it takes some time, sometimes months, sometimes, you know, sometimes I see really a lot of progress within six months, sometimes within a year we can look back and go, wow, that is a big difference. Now, and the patients can then usually tell me that they feel so much better, all their symptoms are, are gone, but we can also look at some of these results, test results and see that they're immune reactivity has decreased, and and so I, I know it's possible.
2: So do they get back to, at, at one particular time, uh, you know, um, as it's progressive, they become sensitive to more and more foods. Eventually, do you find that it's one or two particular mm-hmm. foods that cause the leaky gut in the beginning, so they bring back foods that they were sensitive to, or is it pretty mm-hmm. much where they have mm-hmm. to steer clear of that or eat less of them, or how does that work for for, you know, at least some or as a general rule for your patients, or is there one?
0: Yeah, you know, you've got it. That's what I'm aiming for is as the intestinal lining heals, now no longer is the food able to leak and trigger the immune system. So the immune responses will start to decrease, and the person will be able to bring in some of those foods again. Um, Let's say, for example, say at first when we first test, maybe a patient is reacting to... Um, You know, a lot of things that they, you know, usually the the most common ones are dairy and gluten, Um, sometimes also egg, but then maybe they'll have like five or 10 other foods, like things that may seem a little bit random, like sometimes celery or avocado or almonds or um, kidney beans. When I start to see reactivity to those other kinds of foods, that tells me these, these foods are not getting well digested and they are leaking through the intestinal lining and trigger the immune system. As the intestinal lining heals, those reactivities tend to go away. Some, the one that I um, find, you know, remains the longest is gluten. And here's the thing about gluten is that we know from the research that gluten causes leaky gut. Especially in, you were mentioning genetics. I mean, we know that one food that we know much more about the genetics of reactivity is gluten. And we know that um, that people who have, the, you know, if you have certain genetic mutations, you're going to have a much higher likelihood of having your immune system not only react to gluten, either at the gluten sensitivity or at celiac disease, but you also have a higher likelihood of gluten causing leaky gut. But gluten can cause leaky gut even in someone, uh, you know, in anyone, even if you don't have those genetic tendencies. And so that's, the that's the, I think, you know, gluten is really like a, a you know, double whammy, so to speak. It's, it's not only is it, can you have a immune response to the gluten, but the gluten actually causes the leaky gut. So it's, gluten is causing can cause you to become sensitive to more and more and more foods so sometimes I mean a patient I was talking to um, earlier today she was reacting to quite a few foods but it felt very overwhelming for her to consider to avoid you know everything she's reacting to so I said to her even if you just avoid gluten even if you just start there because in her case she's highly sensitive to gluten and the gluten is probably right it's probably just perpetuating this pattern more than anything else, and so we can at least start to get some headway on it.
2: Now, do you think that, yeah. that genetics, I'm sorry, Dana, go ahead. <clears throat> That's okay. Go ahead. Do you think that, that genetics, because I, I look at, you know, for example, when I was born, I was I was very dairy intolerant, you know, where, and I was actually on soy uh, infant formula, which, you know, was you know, I look back now and I'm like, how did I even get (laughs) get past there? But do you think that's why, I mean, I look at so many problems my mother had and do you think that's why uh, we're seeing so much more extreme gut issues now is because there's a part of that problem that was handed down generationally?
0: Yes. Yes, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure that some of it was, was that it's, you know, handed down and we we inherit some susceptibilities. Um, Some of those, uh, you know, our genetics can determine how likely our immune system is to, you know, to react to our environment, both to, say, pollen and dust and also to food. Um, And also how likely our immune system is to go toward an autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's. And so there's always this you know this piece of it that can be genetics you're right so if you see in your parents that they have um allergic tendencies you know like uh you know my mom has um asthma and a loss of allergies and her mother had a lot of allergies so i can see in my genetics that i would be quite likely to have allergic tendencies which i have i you know for me it, it you know originally it, it really appeared as a lot of um pollen allergies and and dust allergies, Um, luckily uh, never asthma, Um, but also at a very young age, I became very interested in diet and nutrition and how food affects our health. And so um, very early on when I started having digestive issues when I was in college, I figured out, hey, I think this might be gluten and started already eliminating gluten um, even after, you know, when I was uh, 20 years old and I think that um you know so the sooner you can kind of get the hang of it and start to realize hey how are these foods contributing um, then you can you know we can try to get ahead of it but it's not to say that it, you can't do anything now I mean again the, the our intestinal lining cells they regrow every day this is not something that's like a done deal this is this is you know this is something that you can have hope for You can go, hey, you know what, it doesn't matter how old I am or what my digestion's been through. I can, you know, if I can make some diet changes and get in the right nutrients, I can get ahead of this, and it may take time and diligence, but you can definitely see some improvement. Now, I do recommend working with a practitioner to help, especially if your situation is more severe, because it's important that you still get all your nutrients in, and, and we don't want you losing weight, you know, by not eating, and we've got to make sure all of those bases are covered, but if you work with a practitioner who has this type of training, they can really help guide you through it, so you can, you know, see that improvement. Well, you know, you just mentioned
1: a few minutes ago a little bit about your, your journey. Mm-hmm. Will you elaborate a little bit on that? Did you have, do you think you've had a leaky gut before, or do you mm-hmm. think you caught it early on by, you know, cutting some things out, or what?
0: I definitely think I had leaky gut. Yes. Even with me starting to work on it at that time, um, I have a history of, um, migraine headaches and, um, also, uh, uh, menstrual pain, cramping. Um, these, that's another example of how, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that food has anything to do with, with, um, menstrual symptoms, but it definitely can. Um, and so you you know, I had that all going on and me trying to figure out what is going on. So I'd done every type of allergy food type testing on myself. And that's really what led me in this direction with my practice As I learned about it, I realized how much, how prevalent it is and how many people could, you know, could be experiencing the same thing and benefit from some of what I was learning through my experience. So when I, yeah, when I figured out that I'm, um, with, you know, Uh, I finally got a test that could show me that I was sensitive to gluten but also dairy products and really get good at avoiding those in my diet and start bringing in more healing for the uh, leaky gut. Then I just, you know, just all along the way start to see more and more improvement in my health. Now I I don't, I mean, if I go cleaning my closet, I'm definitely going to sneeze from the dust. (laughs) But otherwise... Um, I don't experience allergy symptoms and, you know, uh, rarely a headache unless my, my I, I, you know, my neck gets out of sorts, then I'll get a headache. But otherwise, you know, for me, it's, you know, I think that it's because I'm really, this, I live this world, you know, this is what I do every day for my health. And I, I definitely see that, you know, over time. Thyroid, by the way, is also, you know, something that's in my family and, and uh, so I've been always aware of that as well for my health. And I, I, I'm i interested to be able to make that link between um, leaky gut and the thyroid because, um, you know, again, it's one of those connections that is not often, you know, obvious. Hmm,
1: Do you want me to right. talk more about that? Yes, 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 <laughs> yeah, definitely. <okay. laughs>
0: Well, especially with with Hashimoto's, I mean, what we see in the research is a definite connection between gluten um, and gluten sensitivity and Hashimoto's likelihood to develop Hashimoto's thyroiditis, right, which is when the immune system um, starts to, uh, I think of it like the immune system is confused. The immune system is thinking it needs to protect you from your own thyroid. Right? So our immune system is supposed to protect us from viruses, not our own organs. So when the immune system starts to uh, attack the thyroid um, with antibodies, that that gets called Hashimoto's. And one way I think about it is, say we have this leaky gut that we've been talking about where the foods are are able to trigger the immune system, and now the immune system is, is protecting you from gluten. And creating an immune response and inflammation. Well, it's only one step further that the immune system is not only confused in protecting you from gluten, but now the immune system is is protecting you from your own tissue. And um, and so I just think of it as degrees on that spectrum of an overwhelmed immune system. You know, it's it's, it's uh, and so that's when the um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis starts to happen. So. The um, amazing thing is, again, when we can, when I hear Hashimoto's right away, I start to think, let's look at your diet, let's figure out if you are reacting to gluten or any other foods, and let's start working on healing the leaky gut. And we we actually see the thyroid antibodies decrease and the thyroid function improve by doing that.
1: Yeah, and I guess I should be, you know, here I am with a target on my forehead now because I did start to decrease my, I did start to decrease my, uh, or take out gluten for, I don't know, over the past year. But then just recently I started just kind of, you know, introducing a little bit here and there because I do live in Costa Rica. So my husband isn't convinced that we're having the same wheat or bread or whatever that everybody Mm -hmm. else is. So he's thinking, you know, we're fine down here. And so I'm thinking, oh, I like this. This is a great plan. I'm going to start eating bread. So I did just a, a few weeks ago, start having some more bread and that kind of thing. And. And what's so interesting to me is that, like with some people, Tiffany's very reactive to gluten. I'm not, and so, you know, like you were saying, gluten takes. What did you say? Three weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it
1: you're can be weeks. And, and so I'm mm-hmm. not even really sure if if it's doing anything good or bad for me. But I, I'm assuming, after listening to you, that I should probably be gluten free. What do you think, Tiff? I I you think know, we it, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're busted. We're yeah. busted. We're so busted. Oh. You know it's I'm, tricky I'm sitting because
2: here with my my shoulders <laughs> slumped over, I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You're like, what am I gonna eat now? Oh no. I know. There's so you know, many I, I, options, I, but mm-hmm. I honestly have to admit, it it truly I, I kid you not, is probably one of the biggest and last pieces of my own Healing journey, and I don't eat very much of it. But when I do, I just get my fanny whooped. And I'll I'll tell you, because Dana and I talk all the time, several times a day. There, it doesn't happen with all. It doesn't happen with the same gluten. So I, I, it's almost Mm -hmm. like I'm trying to logic myself out of it. And I'm sure you hear this (laughs) a lot, Doctor Donnie, because, Mm -hmm. and not only that, but I'm married to an Italian baker's grandson. So there's such a thing of, you know, what's different now? And, of course, you get into the flour, and then, you know, the family explains how the gluten was actually washed off in old school um, mm-hmm. in old school baking. They used to take the flour in a big ball, and they used to rinse off uh, the outside, of which was the sticky white substance and whatever. So it's just something that, that is really – I just try and logic myself out of it, and it just makes me feel like such a fool – but there's also I react to a lot of gluten-free uh, foods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you know things that are, you know, um, marketed as gluten-free. So I mean, if mm-hmm. I were to go whole food, and then when I go whole food and I go with just beans and just rice, because uh, I'm a food-controlled diabetic, then my carbohydrates drop too low, and then I then I don't mm-hmm. feel well there, and then I get headaches, which I don't normally get. It's like it's almost like a swip swap, you know. So mm-hmm. you're Getting mm-hmm. the pattern down to what makes you feel good and mm-hmm. learning how to eat, I can tell you right off the top of the bat is I do not know how to eat gluten free properly. It's a mm-hmm. self- admitted My name is Tiffany Maladich. This is my <laughs> <problem>. <laughs> you sign
1: your name. It's right a huge challenge
2: well, It is, you know,
1: it is like like you mm-hmm. are more reactive than others, you know, Tiffany's very it's reactive. Terrible. To them, so. Right? So if, it, if I were Tiffany and I had a French loaf, you know, for lunch and my face blew up on the right side, then, you know, I might not eat it again. But that what not to teeth. me,
2: Dr. <laughs> I, I had, had a very piece meat. of the French loaf, not the French <laughs> loaf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh.
0: It's true. You do, you know, when it's, when it has an immediate effect, it's quite a deterrent and, you know, it's hard when you're in that battle in your mind. Should I eat it? Should I not? And it looks so good. And I just want, you know, it's tricky. I mean, that's where sometimes when you can get a, and there's different food sensitivity panels out there. You want to work with a practitioner who can get you a really high quality one so you can clearly trust the results. But when you can do that, then to have it in front of you in color, in print, it says you reacting to gluten, it's a lot of times a lot easier to avoid it. You know, that's what it took for me, are you kidding? I'm a, I, would, I would be going back to it too if I didn't see it on paper and then once I, sometimes because it is such a delayed reaction, you have to consistently avoid it for at least three weeks. For some people it's even three months of avoidance before they can really fully appreciate the benefit of avoiding it. But you're bringing up good points because you know, it doesn't often just fix it to turn to a gluten-free option. You know, like say you just trade in your gluten crackers and bread for a gluten-free crackers and Mm -hmm. bread. You know, they're often still made from a different grain, right? So the gluten-free grains would be like rice and corn and quinoa and millet are all Mm gluten-free, potatoes gluten-free. But some people, um, especially with more severe leaky gut, um, and autoimmune conditions are going to be reactive to other grains, mm-hmm. even if they're gluten-free grains. So you have to be aware of that. And you, if you have, a, if you think your situation is more severe, if you have autoimmunity, you may actually need to eliminate the grains and go and really focus, like you were saying, Tiffany, about like a whole food diet where you're focusing on the fruits and vegetables and protein sources and really. Uh, you know, the emphasizing the more grain-type products and and baked goods and things like that, because that's where you're gonna. That's not only where you're gonna get the gluten and the grains, but it's also where you're gonna get higher carb content. And that high carb content is gonna disrupt your blood sugar levels. You know, so it all becomes a you know kind of all jump on the on board that
2: with it, this pattern. That is such a good. Uh, you know, thing to bring up, and I, I love your five-step leaky gut uh, on your yes. website. It's it's There's so much information there because, you know, for me, having dealt with diabetes since 19, and I've, I've mostly been able to control it with food, where I'm originally at 19 I was able to do well with whole grains and dairy, which is kind of a joke because it was very good at controlling my blood sugars per se, you know, mm-hmm. numbers-wise but I'm not Mm -hmm. really necessarily sure that I, you know, didn't create a bigger problem. by doing that. Because with carb loading, you know, a lot of people get confused, you know, I think Mm -hmm. between gluten sensitivity and carb loading, where you can actually carb load on gluten-free foods and you can create just as much of a problem there as you can eating the gluten. So I love the way you bring that up. Can you tell us more about the carbohydrate problem?
0: Yes, yes. And it is uh, actually in, in my book, um, The Stress Remedy, um, what I do is I really help bring those two pieces um, together and a third one, too, that I want to bring up, which is that um, I think it's so interesting. In the research, leaky gut um, has been shown to make diabetes more likely. And when a person has diabetes, they're more likely to have leaky gut. So there is a there's a a directional you know uh, relationship going on with those two. And it's not even at you know I think even in mild um, cases it's also happening. So even in a more mild leaky gut, it means that any carbs that you eat are more likely to stress your what I call your carbohydrate metabolism. It means that any carbs you eat are more likely to um, go into fat storage and more likely to overwhelm your insulin function, right? Insulin is the hormone that helps move any carbohydrates you eat, get turned into glucose in your blood, and it's the insulin's job to get that glucose into your cells. It's in your cells that that glucose gets used for energy and for your brain function. So you want the glucose into your cells. But if you have a large amount of food, you know, so even if it's gluten-free cookies, <laughs> they're gonna go they're gonna overwhelm your insulin's ability to put that glucose into your cells and instead that glucose is gonna go into fat storage or fat storage in your liver or as cholesterol. And so it it be, again, it becomes this vicious cycle. Now if the carbohydrate metabolism is stressed and the insulin function is decreased, and every carb you eat is is overwhelming your system, then what happens is the leaky gut becomes more likely. And so they just, uh, you know, feed off of each other. And so it's, I would say, an important part of helping to heal the leaky gut is to manage the the carbohydrate and blood sugar um, levels. And the key is you know, you got to feed, like you learned from a young age, it sounds like, it's all a matter of how you feed yourself over time. Like, we would think, we would love if we could just sit down and eat once and have our body just spread it out over the day, you know? Right, <laughs> it would,
1: right. It would, yeah. it
0: would be so much more convenient to not have to think about eating every few hours. But our bodies don't work that way you know when once we swallow the food our body has to do something with it it's either going to burn it for energy or it's going to put it in storage and fat tissue or you know it has to it's going to have to make a decision about that food at the moment that it comes through so if you eat more than your system can really use at that moment in time it, it becomes a stress you know so and then if you go too long without eating if you go more than four hours without eating, Now your body really needs more, you know, carbs and protein and fat to come in. Your body's going to have to choose something. And usually what our bodies would do in that situation is burn muscle tissue. We all wish it would burn fat tissue really easily, but (laughs) that's what happens when we don't (laughs) eat for long hours, right? Like, please burn fat tissue, please. No, it's going to burn the muscle tissue. And not only that, but it increases your cortisol level. So... Now, the cortisol is our stress hormone, and as soon as the cortisol level goes higher than it should be, it just makes this whole cycle turn, because as soon as, right, if our cortisol is our stress hormone, but we need some cortisol. Cortisol should be higher in the morning. It wakes us up in the morning and should gradually decrease through the day, so it's lowest when you're ready to go to sleep. But you know, with our days, our full days, right? There's a deadline. I got to get here. I got to pick up the kids. I got to finish this project. And and then some, I get this stressful phone call or whatever it is. Our cortisol levels are constantly responding. And when that cortisol level goes higher than it should, that increases leaky gut and it increases the stress on the carbohydrate metabolism. So this, those three, when you look at it in the research, you can see, connect the dots, but it's basically connecting this the stress and the cortisol, how that relates to leaky gut and how that relates to carbohydrate metabolism issues like diabetes is the extreme and, and feeding back in as another because the leaky gut and carb metabolism issues are another stress for your cortisol. So that's where when I, I think when we look at that big picture, we can understand how all these puzzle pieces fit together, but we also start to understand what to do to address it. You know, if we can build in ways to de-stress, right, so that our intestinal lining stays happy and healthy and our insulin function is as good as it can be, and we make some diet changes to help the leaky gut heal and keep up with our life, and we eat in a way that helps keep our blood sugar more balanced through the day, then we start to see um, everything shift.
1: Right now, I have a question. Just maybe jumping around topics, but I just want to know when you're working with clients, mm-hmm. is your first instinct or, or the way that you handle them is it is testing, is allergy testing one of your top things that you start with? Or you, I mean, you're not a, do you do elimination? Do you you know do you do it all? It just is, does it depend on the patient? Because I'm one of those people. Tiffany and I talk all the time. I am not an elimination diet kind of person I have to have it like you said Dr. Donnie uh, you know on on paper I am you know sensitive to gluten and if you see it on paper it's different so when you're working with people is that something that you you automatically do is testing or how do you handle that
0: Well, I definitely talk us through with the patient. Some people have already had some types of testing done, um, and so sometimes we can refer to that. And some people do the finances because these types of tests are are usually out-of-pocket expenses. So some people will just say, well, in my situation, you know, I think I'll just try eliminating gluten and dairy and see how I do. For example, gluten and dairy being two of the most common food sensitivities. The thing is, is that, you know, and some people really do see improvement with that. Say they just eliminate gluten and dairy over, a, you know, a period of time and see how they do. And then for the classic elimination, you would eliminate the foods for at least three weeks and then you would challenge them back in. You would say, let me now have a piece of bread and see how I feel and wait a few more days and then let me have a glass of milk or a piece of cheese and see how I feel. Um, and, you know, I had to do that. Um, process on myself when I was in naturopathic medical school, and that's how I figured out that I react to soy products. But it can be tricky because, as you can imagine, with these delayed responses, it's hard—sometimes hard—to tell when you you know, avoid a food, you might feel better, but then when you challenge it back in, you you might not. The symptoms might be vague or it may be delayed. So sometimes things get missed by doing it as an elimination diet, although for some people that is a good option. Um, And doing the, you know, for a lot of people doing the food sensitivity panel is where they want to start because they're just tired of feeling this way and they just are like, hey, I'd rather spend a few hundred dollars and finally know for sure what I need to do. And then it's worth every penny.
1: Well, absolutely. But I'm glad you mentioned that because – you're right. we've had we've had different uh, guests on the show, you know, and they all have their their way to handle finances and things. It sounds like you're uh, you know very gracious when it comes to that. and and some people are very good at, at doing elimination diets. and I just happened to not be one of them. And Tiffany, too, and I kind of just really need to see it. So I think for me, you know after listening to you, it's it's been something I've been thinking of for a long time, but a food sensitivity. You know panel sounds like right up my alley so
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm definitely going to
1: you know, start saving my pennies for that
0: mm-hmm. yeah save your pennies it's, it's definitely worth it and you can there's you know some it used to be that we you know it always was a blood draw and it was um you know uh, lots of tubes of blood and there are still some panels that use um blood draw to do it but there are some now available that can be done with a finger poke so even just with a finger poke and a few drops of blood, you can run a pretty extensive panel, say for you know almost 100 foods. So you can get a really good sense of it even without, you know because for some people it's like, oh, how am I gonna get this done? You know, um, besides the expense of it, just being able to get the whole blood draw done is tricky. So um, when a finger poke can be used, that's a lot simpler.
1: Yeah, I've heard that's a that's kind of a new technology that's out, mm-hmm. right? You can just do like a, a just a prick mm-hmm. on the finger.
2: Mm-hmm. Is that sign Theranos? me up,
1: right? Is that yeah. Theranos?
2: What's that? They're they're Theranos. I think they're primarily in Arizona oh, right yeah. now, but I'm yeah, waiting for them to, to move all over. It's very exciting.
0: Yeah, they're doing all different kinds of testing. You know, like. What you usually have done, I think, for you know, like your annual blood work, you can do from a finger poke with them, and oh, it, I think it it makes it a lot. It makes blood work more accessible for people, um, and that's I think what um I was another patient I was talking to today. You know, we were thinking about how much more and more people are really taking their health into their own hands, realizing it's your health and it's in your hands. Um, And so uh, being able to, you know, make choices and and even spend money on tests to get the information you need, more and more people are choosing that route. It's really about preventive health, you know. What can you do now? What information could you have about the food you're eating and the vitamins you're taking that could influence your health now and way into the future? Um, You know, of course, we need... You know, uh, surgery. We need emergency rooms. We need that type of medical care available. It's just that there's a lot. There's so much research to so show. There's a lot we can do with diet and lifestyle to prevent um, chronic health issues. So, and and really to access that, a lot of it is, you know, uh, you know, up to uh, individuals to find that and choose that.
1: And we're we're all trying to educate our children and educate everybody because that's that's the way of the future of eating well and, and eating for yourself and your body and listening to your body. I have a question for you um, mm-hmm. about digestive enzymes and supplementation. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about what your, what your philosophy is yes. on digestive enzymes?
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, well, in terms of leaky gut, um, especially when we're working to get the leaky gut to heal, One of the uh, steps that can make a big difference is to help make sure the food's getting digested. Uh, Remember, we were talking about it's when the food is not well digested that it tends to trigger the immune system. Um, And when we're stressed, our digestion doesn't work as well. So we tend to have more, you know, less digested or less well digested food coming through our digestive tract when we're stressed. Now, you know, certainly sitting down to eat and chewing well and, you know, all of these things you can do to help your digestion, have the best chance to digest your food are, are all good things to do. Um, but uh, sometimes, you know, adding in digestive support can make a big difference um, as well. And we, I usually start by going to what would be called a pancreatic enzyme. Um, The reason it's called that is because the pancreas makes a bunch of different enzymes, basically to digest proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. The pancreatic enzymes are the ones that end with the letters A-S-E. So if you look at a supplement bottle, it's going to be amylase, lipase, protease. Those are all enzymes, and we can get them from plants. So you can actually swallow a capsule that has these uh, enzymes in there, and if you swallow it, when you eat, or right after you eat, those enzymes are going to help digest your food for you. And if your food's better digested, it's less likely to trigger your immune system. So it can be very helpful. And and you know the pancreatic enzymes are, are safe as well. It's not likely to lead to you know any other health issues. Um, and there's a lot of good quality um, products out there. The other one to consider would be whether we need to support stomach acid because. For some people, you know, we often hear about when people have too much stomach acid, but it's also possible to have too little stomach acid. And so um, that's something that you know you can either work with a practitioner to help figure out, but there's there's not great testing. Actually, the, the best way to find out is to just try taking a supplement that contains what's called hydrochloric acid or HCl. And when you take HCl with a meal, If you experience any burning, then you know you don't need it, that you have plenty of acid. Um, If you feel better when you take an HDL when you eat, then that means that you needed it and that it could benefit your digestion. Um, There is one test that um, sometimes can help clarify this for us, which is um, there's some more specialized stool tests where, uh, and this is different than what you would usually find at the conventional doctor's office, which is where they would test for, say, blood in the stool or parasites in the stool, but there's a specialized stool test where they can actually show us how well you're digesting your food based on what's in the stool. So we can see, is the protein getting digested? Is the fat getting digested? Do you, you know, does it look like maybe you could benefit from some um, hydrochloric acid or stomach acid support? Um, that can all be shown on that type of a test. Those tests also show us something we haven't gotten to touch on yet, which is the good bacteria in the large intestine. Um, that's where the, you know, there's, there's good bacteria. Oh, my goodness, we, right? When you start to look at it, we, we, our bodies are really, you know, in a mutual um, existence with these bacteria in our bodies, and we really need them and, and depend on them, especially in our digestive tract. It's called our microbiome is another name for it. But in a supplement, we would usually see it as a probiotic, which is usually a lactobacillus or a, a lactobacillus acidophilus or bifidobacterium in a probiotic, right? Those are, those are some of the bacteria, although there's trillions of bacteria, different types in our digestion. And these um, you really want a healthy balance of bacteria. That's another thing that's quite interesting in the research is if there tends to be an a imbalance in the healthy bacteria in your large intestine, that can increase your likelihood towards leaky gut and thyroid issues and autoimmunity and diabetes and all different kinds of health issues. So part of addressing leaky gut is helping to get your healthy bacteria as balanced as possible and to figure out if there's any Abnormal bacteria, or perhaps overgrowth of yeast or candida in the digestive tract. So we want to address that. And one of the best ways to know what is the what's going on, who's living in there, is to do one of these specialized stool panels. So we can really see, and then have a practitioner help you address it.
2: Do you find that uh, a lot of people also have a specific? Uh, vitamin and mineral deficiencies, like B12, iron. Do you find that fairly mm-hmm. common? Yes, uh, as well. It is. You know, um,
0: it's interesting, right? Here we are thinking it's a leaky gut, so you would think the nutrients would leak through too, and we would have more of them. But it's actually the opposite. That when leaky gut is present, that there tend to be more nutrient deficiencies. It's like what you don't want is leaking through, and what you don't want, or what you do want, is not getting in. And so it's iron deficiencies, the vitamin deficiencies, even vitamin D. When I see, um, when I start to see nutrient deficiencies on blood work, it makes me think, uh-oh, there might be some leaky gut going on here because it looks like the nutrient levels are decreased. And that's, that's definitely more common with, the, with leaky gut and food sensitivities. And so we start to, again, it, you know, we have to address both. We can start to put the nutrients in, if the person's digestion is feeling well enough to be able to take in these nutrients, we can start to put in some some of the vitamins, but it's ultimately gonna be when we get the digestive tract fully, you know, working well again, where the digestion is happening, the nutrients are getting absorbed through the lining, um, the bacteria are happy and healthy, that's when um, a person's gonna be able to really get their nutrient levels to where they want them to be.
2: Now, Dr. Donnie, Penny had a great question in the very beginning mm-hmm. of the conversation uh, mm-hmm. regarding uh, apple cider vinegar that she used in her own and also uh, giving up Amiprazole to help mm-hmm. her digestive acids. Do you encourage your patients with apple cider mm-hmm. vinegar or lemon, especially if they're not necessarily going to, you know, some people that I, that I, they're just not, they're not supplement mm-hmm. takers. So mm-hmm. it sounds like you you really work with your patients on what they will do and what they don't do. Mm -hmm. Is apple cider vinegar and lemon something that you encourage to increase digestive acids? You definitely
0: can try it, and that's exactly what it is, is um, uh, sour and also bitter, you know, so it can also be like one of my favorite bitter things is arugula, you know, so if you think of um, things you like to eat that have a little bit of a bitter taste, that's what tells your your body and your brain and your digestion that you need help digesting food. The classic um, one would be like that gentian bitters, right? The herbal yeah. bitters can do the same thing. Well, that's the idea with the, uh, you know, lemon in the water or um, apple cider vinegar. And a lot of people do benefit from those things, and you can try it. The thing, there's a couple things you want to keep in mind, though. One is that um, vinegar can trigger a histamine response. And um, there's several foods that can trigger histamine, right? We usually think of histamine with allergies, right? Like, so if you, you know, again, are exposed to pollen and you start sneezing, that's histamine that's causing the sneezing in the runny nose. Same thing can happen in the digestive tract. If you have um, certain foods, it can trigger a histamine response. And for those people, when you have vinegar, you might actually feel worse. So just, you always want to, when you try something, you always want to observe how does your body respond. It, it may not be, you know, the best thing for everyone. Um, the other thing is that um, there's this other scenario where there can be an overgrowth. We're talking about when there's either um, not enough or, or, or imbalance of bacteria in the large intestine, but what can also happen is there can be an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine. And um, that can also occur concurrently with leaky gut. In fact, I would say the leaky gut makes the overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine more likely because With leaky gut, you have some undigested food present, and the bacteria, that's what they do. They love to ferment undigested food, and so you get a fermentation of undigested food in the small intestine, which causes bloating, and these bacteria just think they found the best home ever in your small intestine, and they Mm -hmm. call that that SIBO, S-I-B-O, Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth, and um, we're finding that more and more um, in practice, and it's, Um, again, in that situation, you might find that you're eating something you think would help. Like you're like, oh, no, I'm going to eat my fruits and vegetables. I'm going to have lemon. I'm going to have vinegar. I'm going to eat fermented foods, all these things you've heard of that might help your digestion. But if there's an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine, those things may actually make you feel worse. So it's always important to notice, you know, how you're feeling. You can try implementing these things, but... Um, if you don't feel better, or you actually feel worse, then there may actually be some other situation going on that needs to be addressed.
1: Okay, flower field moment.
2: I was just going <laughs> to let me,
1: just let me sit here for just a minute, Dr. Donnie, and just I just need to absorb all of that. Just, just, just taking it all in. Okay. Okay. Okay.
2: I, okay. I have a question, Dana, is it okay? And yeah okay. can you tell me because I know that you recommend things like l glutamine, uh, mm-hmm. licorice root, mm-hmm. and aloe different things slippery elm. can you tell us more about mm-hmm. uh, some additional supplements that you find that are helpful um, are mm-hmm. helpful mm-hmm. glutamine um,
0: is is an amino acid and it's been researched quite a bit for um helping with intestinal lining, with a leaky gut, and um, the simplest way to think about that is these these cells lining the small intestine, they require glutamine to just, that's their main fuel, so to speak. So, um, when we're trying to get those small intestinal cells to thrive, we want to feed them glutamine, and. Um, you know, so you can find glutamine either in powder form or pill form. And um, but again, I would take it start out slow because um, some people, you know, some people can be more sensitive to glutamine and other products too. I always have people start slow and notice how they feel. Glutamine, um, if you have larger amounts of it, can you know eventually when it goes into your bloodstream, can be you know converted to other neurotransmitters in your nervous system and so on. What we want is we want that glutamine to just go straight to your small intestinal cells, which is um, which is where you know helpful for leaky gut healing. Um, so maybe a person starts with even 500 milligrams or 1,000 milligrams of glutamine each day, and it could increase even to 5,000 milligrams or, in some studies, even 10,000 milligrams if it's in more you know more severe situations. But um, that's how the glutamine fits in and, Sometimes if a person's digestion is really sensitive, I'll just start with glutamine alone. And then if we can... Mm
2: -hmm. No, no, I was Mm -hmm. going to say, how do you feel about hydrolyzed collagen or uh, Mm -hmm. gelatin? Do you like those as Mm -hmm. well or do you really like to focus on the glutamine specifically for leaky gut? Well, the, um, the collagens can be great. All, they will have a little bit of glutamine and
0: other amino acids in them, and that can be really helpful, helpful when a person has got a lot of nutrient depletions and they even if say they're having a hard time digesting proteins, like they're going, oh my gosh, every time I eat even a piece of chicken, I get a stomach ache. Then we may need to use more, um, amino acids like in the collagen to help get those amino acids. In. Amino acids is your, is your, when protein is all the way digested down, it's digested down to amino acids. And then our bodies use, use amino acids to, um, to build muscle and all kinds of different um, energizing activities in the body. So we need those amino acids not only for our small intestinal cells but for um, our whole system. Um, so collagen can be great for that reason. Another good source, though, you're reminding me of um, glutamine, is in in bone broth. So, a lot of times you'll hear people um, having, you know, choosing, hey, I'm going to have bone broth. I'm going to make bone broth because it's automatically high in glutamine. And so, you're getting a food source of glutamine. Um, cabbage juice is also high in glutamine. So, you know, if you are inspired and motivated to choose, you know, uh, dietary options for glutamine. That's an option too. So you like a little bit Cappard of
2: cabbage juice. A, Cappard
1: juice. Cappard juice. Wait, <laughs> I just want to stop there for just a second, because that's just not <laughs> normally something that you hear is cabbage juice. So, okay. I know, All right. right? juice. Got it. Okay. I
0: know. I know. I haven't quite had myself drinking much of that. I tend to go for a protein shake, you know, because it's, and for a lot of people, I find that's a good solution. You know, Now, you have to be careful because if you're reacting to dairy products, then you're not going to be able to use a whey protein shake, right? W-H-E-Y is the protein in dairy, so that's not going to work. And then usually soy, if soy is an, is an issue, then we're going to steer clear of soy protein. So usually we end up looking at either a, a organic rice protein or organic pea protein. They can actually get enough protein out of the rice and the pea to make a protein shake. And even though it sounds like there would be actual pea and rice in there, it's basically they've taken away all the carb part of it and they've just got the protein out. I don't know how much rice they'd have to use to get a spoonful of rice protein. I but know, right?
1: right. <laughs> so scary.
0: But then we have <laughs> it a is plant. Weird. Right? It's a plant-based protein in a powder. So then you can, for example, stir that in water or your preferred liquid, and you could stir in some glutamine, and you could stir in some collagen if you want to add in some extra amino acids, and you could then too, some of these others we were mentioning, like um, now DGL is a, um, it's an herb called licorice, different than candy licorice, but um, um, licorice, the herb is also sweet, but it's got no sugar in it, and it, the cool thing about licorice is it's anti-inflammatory. So as soon as you swallow it, it's anti-inflammatory throughout your digestive tract, and that's how I think it's helping to heal the leaky gut is, because it's anti-inflammatory all along your intestines. Um, So you could, if you use a powder of, you know, say a product that has glutamine and maybe some of this licorice or, or what's called DGL, DGL form of licorice is, they've removed the part of the plant that can affect blood pressure. So that means it it would be safe even if you have a tendency toward high blood pressure, you could use DGL. And then the plant aloe, you know, aloe is, we know aloe being so healing even on your skin, but we can ingest aloe and it's going to be anti-inflammatory to our intestines. Um, Also zinc. Uh, the nutrient zinc is very healing to the intestinal lining as is um, I think it's interesting to think of um, MSM which MSM is a um, sulfur based nutrient and it's the sulfur aspects that you remember the velcro I was talking about between the cells yep. we need yep. that we need that sulfur to help rebuild the velcro
2: so if you no. you can find formulas that have all this in one yes Oh, no, I was going to say, I actually have two quick questions. A Mm -hmm. lot of Hashimoto's have trouble breaking down proteins. Do you just start lower on the glutamine? Is that something that you would do? And then I had also a question about a lot of Hashimoto's have sulfur sensitivities. So Mm -hmm. what would you do in that particular case? You know, with MSN and also.
0: Yeah, it is really important to become aware of whether you react to sulfur. Um, You know, sulfur is also high in things like garlic and onions and broccoli. And if you notice that you feel worse in any way after consuming sulfur, then it's not that you want to eliminate it 100% because there is also such a thing as a sulfur deficiency. But you just want to learn how much can I have of sulfur that, you know, is just enough and not too much for my system. But in, in the case, if you know you react to sulfur, then you you might then choose a product that does not contain MSM in it. And you're still going to get healing of the leaky gut. You can still, you know, get the progress, but you just have to really individualize what you put in your formula. Um, now, with the glutamine, yeah, I just, with all of this, I recommend, you know, starting slowly and always noticing how you do I mean, if it's a very severe case, I'll start with just one ingredient, literally. Like we do one thing at a time, low dose, and see how you respond. And then if things are doing okay, maybe we can do a product that has uh, glutamine and BGL and aloe in it, for example. And if that's going okay, then maybe we can go to a product that has zinc and curcumin, right? Curcumin is also anti-inflammatory. So we can, we can introduce more and more Um, ingredients little by little as long as, you know, as long as you feel okay with it. But it is important to individualize it.
1: We say that all the time on the show, Dr. Donnie. No two bodies are the same. And so Mm -hmm. you have to really listen to your body. You really have to pay attention. And Mm -hmm. that's another thing I'm trying to teach my, my kids is to really pay attention because there's a lot of times when I, you know, even right now I can't tell, you know, some things. And I think you start at a young age and maybe you probably were, pretty good at it because you said you you were interested in that kind of thing. But paying attention to your own body and listening to what your body says, you know, during, after meals is so important.
0: hmm hmm Yeah, we tend to be rushed and stressed and, you know, and it, so it's, it is, it's a, it's a good chance to just realize how much these simple things make such a difference to our bodies. Um, You know, thinking about one of my, uh, what I call stress remedies, which are, you know, things that you can do that just help your body, you know, sort of uh, keep up with stress, you know, because there's some ways we can minimize our stress, but we're always going to have some. So it's a matter of how do we help our bodies keep up with the stress? And, you know, these are things like even taking deep breaths. That's amazing, actually, the connection between when you, you know what I mean? Like, take breaths so that you're breathing in and kind of taking your time, breathing in as long as you can and then hold it for a second and then, you know, gradually, slowly exhale. And when you do that, you know, even if you spend five minutes or ten minutes doing that kind of more slow breathing, it actually helps your body pay more attention to your digestive tract. So you end up digesting your food better and feeling the leaky gut and, you know, everything starts to, to work more smoothly. And that's something that doesn't involve swallowing a supplement or, you know, it's just a matter of, hey, I need to just take a chance and slow down and breathe or um, what I call enjoying nature, you know, just getting outdoors and noticing, um, you know, the, the plants and the, the water and the trees and the and even i was reading something the other day that said you know when you when you go camping for a week it can reset your system way better you know than uh, than we might imagine and i think it's just because we we are exposed to the changing light and the rhythms of nature our bodies are very perceptive to all of that and so you know even just coming back to notice hey what what rhythms am I exposed to day to day? What can I do to just give my body a chance to reset? Um, can make such and a difference.
2: Sunshine, right? Sunshine, sunshine. absorbing the sunshine and vitamin D, and that's a that's a very mm-hmm. important gut soother. Correct? Mhm. Yay! Is. I just did that today, so I
1: going to check that off my list. Anna was I went soaking it and got some sun. <laughs> I was soaking in some sun just before mm-hmm. the show. Uh, but no, it's funny that you say that about breathing. I have to, to jump in really quick before we let you go and say that that's a really big deal. That's, that's important. I mean, and even just to put a little sticky note uh, on your mirror or just on a couple different things to say, breathe. Cause I don't breathe very well. I don't, I hold my breath a lot. I'm not a very good breather. Now I've been taking yoga. I've been doing yoga for a long time and stuff. And, and you think that Okay, so my body's used to, but even still, I catch myself holding my breath. So while you were talking that, while you were saying that just a moment ago, Dr. Donnie, I looked mm-hmm. out my window. I just happened to, it's a beautiful day. There's a breeze. I can see banana trees and hokote trees and bamboo, and it's breezy. And I'm thinking, okay, so she's talking, and I'm just listening, and I'm, I'm being very yes. mindful, and I'm just enjoying. So that's exactly what you mean. Just take a minute. And it's so powerful. It's it so is.
0: helpful. It is. And that, you know, that too. It helps your helps your digestion. It heals the digestion. I mean, and that's, that's the thing. It's you know, it's 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 a constant practice. I think leaky gut is just it's one of those things that can be a constant reminder to us to just take care of ourselves to make sure you're getting that, you know, what are you eating that's going to be supportive to your health? What are you doing today that's going to support your health? And, and um, you know, sometimes life gets ahead of us, and, and yet it's not that, you know, that's not the done deal. You can always choose. Today can be the day where you go, okay, what can I do that is just going to help my body out a little bit here?
2: I love the way you point out stress. You know, I think we women especially – Uh, You know, we're such multitaskers and kids and working and, you know, we have a tendency to be juggling 10 things at one time and forget to just, to just take a minute, you know, in the moment. I I know I'm horrifically guilty of that. And I feel so much better when I can just take a deep breath and be like, just, I just need, I just need a minute, you know, (laughs) just Mm to, I feel so much better when I do that, you know, Mm -hmm. very healing. Mm -hmm. Well, there has been so much today that we have covered, and I thank you so very,
1: very much. I'm going to go back and listen to this uh, later on tonight because I want to take some notes. I remember on the, one of our first shows, Dr. Donnie, I have to tell you something really funny. Um, I think it was our first or second show. I was thinking, I messaged Tiffany, and I said, are you taking notes? Because this is this is some great stuff. And she <laughs> replied back, and she said, <laughs> Um, honey, don't we have an archive like of the show? Can't you
2: just go back and listen to
0: it?
1: <laughs> and Aww, I was like, Oh, wow. that's right, we do. So now, now I just go back and listen to the show. So you have Aww. been absolutely wonderful. I thank you it's so, amazing. so very much for you know, joining well, us nice on to- Sunday. Yes,
2: yes. And, and Blythe and, to meet you. Blythe and Penny and and all the radio team. They just keep saying she is so amazing, so sweet. Your voice has been just so pleasant and soothing. It's been healing just in and of itself listening to you.
1: It has been. I have to say that. Do people tell you that? Because it really has been.
2: Maybe oh, you will just talk more. You guys are so sweet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it was helpful. It's my pleasure. You know, this is what my brain does and thinks about all day. So to get to share it is just very rewarding. So thank you for giving me the chance.
2: Oh, thank you so much for being here with us yeah and tell everybody before you go really quick um, how they can find you
0: well uh my website is drdonnie.com so donnie is spelled d-o-n-i it's short for donnie l so it's just d-r-d-o-n-i.com and uh so you can find me in in my blog articles about leaky gut i've been writing about leaky gut in my blog so you'll see more there and i have some more articles to come in that series so um, please sign up for my newsletter and you'll you'll get those all more about Leaky gut. In fact, I'm gonna be writing about thyroid here in a couple weeks. So this your this show is gonna inspire Ooh. me. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. We need to right. back on.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, really.
0: <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I'm also on social media. So if you, you like to, you know, get your articles by Twitter or Facebook, you can find me there as well. Just Dr. Donnie Wilson, W-I-L-S-O-N. Um, and on those uh, social media places as well.
1: Well, and don't forget, you have a wonderful book called The Stress Remedy, so you guys need to check that out. It's on Amazon, and I bet she's got some wonderful healing uh, extras on her website as well that you, you, like you said, you
2: mentioned you you add
1: to all the time. So check that out and your newsletter. And the five
2: so, step, five step leaky gut. That is, there is so much information there.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right in my blog post. The the healing we you get with five simple steps. You'll find it there in the blog. Um, and I'm working on a book about um, sleep and natural solutions for sleep. So that will be coming out soon.
1: Oh, good. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll have to. We'll definitely mention that and put it on our social media for you and share and promote as well. So everybody can we won't miss out on that, right? Well, Dr. Donnie, thank you so much. Have a fabulous, fabulous Sunday, and hopefully we'll, we'll have you back on the show, and we'll chat soon.
0: Okay, sounds good. Say hi to Costa Rica for me. Mm-hmm. I
1: will. Come visit.
0: Okay. Take care. Bye-bye now. Thank you again. Thank
2: you. Bye-bye. Gee whiz, she's amazing. We need yeah. like five hours, six hours, ten hours with these people. <laughs>
1: i just don't even know i mean she was so lovely and it's it's funny because there's been a lot of shows where i have to have the fan pointing on me but today there's the most amazing breeze and my 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 desk my setup is right here by the window and i was really looking outside and her voice was just so calming and the breeze was blowing and i mm-hmm. could see all this green outside and i was just in my flower field the whole time
2: she was fabulous she was fabulous fabulous there were just a couple times you're like oh you know just so much information it was just
1: jeez I'm
2: gonna have and to she listen just, to that one again honestly yeah
1: it's, and she's
2: just she's just spitting
1: it out it's just churning, churning. it's just coming out so fast and I'm just
2: so easy okay I gotta her. just, yeah, just that's, take this you know
1: I know wealth- that was wonderful well very knowledge. very wonderful well, okay, guys, let's let's go ahead and wrap this show up. That was fabulous. I'm just I'm in I'm in a little heaven spot here, <laughs> thinking about her <laughs> wonderful voice and all of the good things she had to say, and and it was really good. She was really nice. I like that. Very very nice. I like those kind of shows.
2: Well, Dana and I always want to thank our amazing Cyber Nation Radio team. The questions that come in. They help us with everything. It just it just would not be possible without them. So a super big thank you to Raina, Laura, Melissa, Blythe, Penny, Sarah, and Shannon. Please check out their bios and Thriver stories, Facebook support groups, blogs, and website links at thyroidnation.com radio. There is so much amazing support in the websites for children for uh, working out for food, for questions, for you know just positivity and all kinds of stuff, fabulous resources there within uh, within those amazing women so make sure you check them out And also make sure to follow thyroid Nation radio at ThyroidNation.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and in of course the Facebook group Hashi's and Graves Thyroid Nation Radio talk show.
1: And. Be sure to tune in next week. It is going to be really great to have Dr. Alan Christensen join us live from, I believe he's in Arizona. He is the author of The Adrenal Reset Diet and Hashimoto, Healing Hashimoto, and, and, and The Idiot's Guide to, to Thyroid. And so he's he's going to be a fabulous, fabulous resource and a wonderful show.
2: So be and sure he's to tune got in an next amazing, week. he's got an amazing story himself. Oh fantastic story it's Gee, funny because Wiz, you know, we're, I know, right? we're gonna have
1: to ask him we're gonna have to ask him and i'm sure he's probably regurgitated that story like
2: at least five thousand <laughs> times but
1: it's such a great story he's gonna have to say it again right
2: seriously awesome it's a seriously awesome story of healing so it's always very cool when we've had someone who has gone through the healing journey themselves because they they understand better i think you know quite a bit better <laughs> yeah And Dana and I want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluations, which we heard so much from Dr. Donnie today, you know, certain supplements that do well for one and not for another food, everything else. So it's so important more than anything to listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you all the time. Amen, sister. Amen, sister. This is Dana, your
1: Thyroid Nation Gringa Tika from Costa Rica.
2: And Tiffany with (laughs) GratefulGarden.biz.
1: Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thanks, guys.
2: United we heal. Let's go get some sun, baby. Yeah. (laughs) See you next week. Happy Sunday.